Hello, and welcome to Deep and the Wild. I'm Melissa Hawks. Today's episode was recorded a little bit earlier than the rest of them, so the connection's not quite as good. The conversation drops out once or twice, but it's easy to follow along, and I couldn't bring myself to re-record this one. It's such a beautiful conversation. Today, I am speaking with my sister-in-law, Jessica Hawks, otherwise known as Jess. She has just launched her food blog, which can be found at jessicadhawks.com, and you can also follow her on Instagram at peachesinprosciutto. Um, We talk about cooking as a sacred practice, as a creative ritual. We also discuss our relationship with food and our bodies, so if that's something you find triggering, just a little warning there. And of course, we talk quite a bit about our family, so you'll get a little insight into what goes on around here. If you'd like to support the show, support the podcast, you can Venmo me at Melissa B. Hawks. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. It's my sister in love. <laughs> Don't you hate that? so nerdy i feel like that's what my grandmother would say oh i love it (laughs) you love it i love it um i just think of you as my sister Mm -hmm. um not not the whole sil thing but um but anyway welcome i'm so glad that you've joined me and i'm so glad that you're part of our family it Mm -hmm. hasn't even been a full year yet i know Um, (laughs) And what a year to start a marriage, my God. Yes, you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. So why don't we start off by um, you sharing a little bit about yourself um, and where people can find you on the internet, um, maybe a little bit about the project that you're working on right now. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. I am living in uh, Chicago, Illinois, just right outside of downtown Chicago um, in a little suburb uh, called Forest Park. Um in January and uh, to my wonderful husband Michael he is a brilliant man um, and has really actually helped me kind of step uh, out of into a lot of the dreams that I have so this year has been a really big year for me um, I quit my nine to five job <laughs> just last yeah. <laughs> yep it feels really good it's also really scary but it's really good yeah and um, I just I started to Actually, over quarantine, I started a Instagram just kind of for fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I love cooking so much. I love food and I love the experience. I just did a little project um, on Instagram called Peaches and Prosciutto. And um, I was just sharing different recipes I was making. And then I started to show people how to make stuff. And uh, actually, next month, I am launching my very first website. Um, Yay going to be a food blog where I'm sharing lots of recipes, cooking tips, and really just showing um, and celebrating the practice of cooking. So very excited, very new stuff. uh, But yeah, it's good. It's all really good. I love that. I love that. There are so many things that you just mentioned that I want to talk about and get to some of those. But one of the things you said towards the beginning that um, 
I'm really glad that you mentioned um, is how uh, your relationship, your marriage uh, has supported you in pursuing those dreams. And um, I know there's a lot of people who are listening who both have relationships and who are single. And I think sometimes we feel like when we have a big dream, or at least I've felt that way before, that um, a relationship might actually get in the way of that. So I would Mm -hmm. love to hear how your relationship has supported you in pursuing that dream. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've had big dreams for my whole life. And I think these last five years, um, I really just started to think, why, why can't I start to pursue these dreams? But I was really sitting in a place of fear. Um, I, I'm a dreamer, but I'm a, like logical thinker as well. So I think a lot about details. And when I think a lot yeah. about details, I think a lot about there's like absolutely no way I can do this. And so um, just the role that Michael has played, and I've had other people in my life that, you know, have, have poured into those dreams and encouraged them. But I think there's just something so special about who Michael is in general, um, just how he thinks outside of the box. And he's a very fearless person he's not mm-hmm. person <laughs> and <Yeah>. so <laughs> yeah you know more than anyone um and so just his way just really started to um give me confidence and for him to just come alongside me for someone to just come alongside someone and be their biggest cheerleader if this fails like so what <laughs> you you did right. it you took one step and so that's exactly what he did. He came alongside me. In fact, it was, it was his, the words that came out of his mouth that said, yeah, just quit your job. <laughs> so like these, How did know, that feel when he said that? Just quit your job. Well, it's funny. Most people would be like, oh, really? Okay. But I actually fought, fought with him yes, about it for a while because of my logical thinking, because I'm like, well, what will we do if this or that? And so... <laughs> But no, I mean, he kept, you know, encouraging. Why not? Let's look at these things logically. Okay, you're, you're creating scenarios that aren't even real. So he had me write down a list of like, I was scared of. And then we addressed every single one of them um, together. And just like, okay, well, what will we do like a very realistic option if this happened? And so it's yeah, it's nice when you've got a teammate, somebody to just go all in with you. Um, yeah, yeah. People that are single, you know, I was single for a really long time. And um, I, I think just having just being somebody's cheerleader. Yeah, having cheerleaders that are like, yeah, do it. It sounds crazy. Just do it. You know, yeah. Yes. Instead of judgment, I've had a lot of relationships in my life full of judgment and uh, yeah. not supportive at all in dreams. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, so there are a couple of things that you said. First, I want to say, like, I feel like people, my experience has been people who are kind of judging you or mm. who are your like negative Nancy's or whatever you want to say. Um, they are projecting their own fears onto you or they're yes. projecting, sometimes they're projecting jealousy because jealousy. They didn't, you know, 
or yeah. they weren't able to actually make that happen. The second thing um, that you said that I really loved was when you were talking about he had you make a list of fears and then you addressed each one and said, here's what we would do if this happened. It's it's almost like you were, um, he like sat you down and had you make a whole list of contingency plans <laughs> for all of the main things that could go wrong, right? Yeah. And uh, wow, that must have, I know for me, I, I've done that before. It's so funny because Michael and I have never talked about that, but I have also done that for myself. <laughs> so I just wonder, like, did that put you at ease? Because that always puts me at ease. Yeah, that was like the final, like, deciding factor for me. Like, okay, I guess let's put a date on the calendar for when I'm giving my notice. Because it gave me so much peace. And just knowing, I think just the confidence alone that, so we do this life together um yeah that that was another component but that list yeah it totally helped it was huge for me yeah 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 good I love that I love that I, I think that people who are listening like that's something you can definitely that's a tool that you can add yeah. to your toolbox um yeah. especially if you tend to be an overthinker I'm not gonna say Jess <laughs> is an overthinker but I will oh, say I that me and Michael are overthinkers so um <laughs> So you, you are new to our family, um, yeah. you are newer to our family and you've kind of begun to launch this dream since, um, you've been a part of our family yeah. and I'm just wondering what it looks like, um, to be, be <laughs> okay. I want, I want to think about how to say this because when I was married many, many years and <laughs> lifetimes ago, it feels like, um, Yes. My relationship with my um, my in-laws wasn't um, yeah. quite as as lovely as I imagine yours is. Obviously, I'm yeah. projecting that because I want you to love all of us. But but the <laughs> thing that I've noticed because this is kind of how our family does is we're we're always super supportive of each other's ideas, no matter yeah. how wildly um, insane they sound. And I don't just mean like. Um, me and Michael, but also my parents, my dad always comes up with crazy ideas too. Yeah. And um, so I wondered what that's like, first of all, you're going into like being family with people that you don't know very well. <laughs> and you're like, by the way, I'm going to quit my job and uh, I'm going <laughs> to launch this thing. What, what was that experience like? If you're comfortable sharing, if not, oh, yeah. that's okay. And you don't have to be nice about it. Like you can say how it really was. Yeah. No, I, uh, that's so funny. You said that. Well, like, first of all, your parents in general, I hope you can't hear that truck in the back. And we live in a very busy area. Um, so I, my feeling about your parents is like that they are like some of like the least judgmental people <laughs> in the true. world to me. Like, I just, I love that. I instantly felt loved and cared for by them. So that was yeah. a good start. <laughs> every day for that but um no I do remember like I know that they've always supported everything I've done you guys have been my biggest trailers but I do remember like sitting down and I'm like wonder if your parents are gonna think I'm crazy like (laughs) (laughs) saying this to Michael um but and we haven't really I too much about it um yeah and like over the phone or anything I mean they know what I'm you know starting to do and I know they're super supportive excited um but I guess we haven't really even talked too much about just the fact that I quit my job (laughs) Uh, which is so funny um but 
I have very little fear about it just because I know that there's no judgment. I also see, and because I've seen your dad and his wonderful and brilliant ideas, and I see how you and Michael have turned out and um, just how like free of thinkers that you are and you dare, you dare to dive in and try new things. And so, because Mm. I know that, that, that your parents produce those kinds of children, that they would be (laughs) just as accepting, um, you know, to have another child like that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's good. I feel very nurtured in that. I love that. I'm so glad. I mean, I know that, you know, the, me and them have all had conversations about wanting you to feel that way. Oh, supported um and I think it's so fascinating it's so fascinating to hear an outside perspective of you saying you know your mom and dad produce these like free thinkers and everything and it's so true but also at times I'm sure they're like what kind of wildness came from (laughs) I know literally though I also wanted to say you never have to worry about like putting out too crazy of an idea because hello I'm their daughter and <laughs> you're right they're super non-judgmental they've had an opportunity to practice that a lot with me yeah. so um I, so yeah although I I love that yeah. and I mean Michael's told me all the time about how when you guys would go on like car rides like the radio was rarely ever on it was talk and talk and talk and so I think wonderful ideas and thoughts are birthed from that and the freedom of just like is a really wonderful thing and a lot of people don't have that experience so yeah 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 I remember when I was um when I was writing kind of through my divorce and um as I began healing process and I remember my mom telling me you write whatever you need to write and you share whatever you need to share you don't worry about Mm -hmm. what anyone else you know which was just (laughs) if you think about kind of the culture that we came from it's mind-blowing you know that was the way we went about things (laughs) um so yeah um wow that was kind of a tangent I didn't expect us to go on I really like that was great (laughs) um so let's talk about um you know, cooking and baking and food has always been an important part of, of our family mm-hmm. growing up. And so I love that that's something that you're so passionate about. Like, yes. it, it's easy for all of us to kind of just cheer you on and, and get going. Um, yes. So what, tell me about your experience with food and relationship to food. Mm-hmm. What kind of drew you to uh, cooking and cooking as a practice of beauty? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I acknowledged my love for cooking and of food um, when I was younger. I definitely think this is something that started in my early 20s, um, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. But I did with lots of cooking happening in the home. Um, my grandfather, he has always, always, always loved cooking, specifically cooking Italian food, um, family recipes that have been passed down. Um, so I grew right. up with that big Sunday family dinners, um, you know, big Christmas Easter's with Italian food, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and then my mom mm. as well. She's always loved, um, cooking and trying. She kind of got outside of the Italian box, um, and started trying other things. Um, so I've always just watched, um, watched my family cook. 
school, my mom did let me have a little bit of freedom in the kitchen where I think she kind of nurtured that, uh, you know, hey, go ahead and make whatever you want or whatever. And I would try different things, right. different seasonings. And <laughs> I think I was like really genius because I made this really crazy pasta, which today probably tastes horrible. Um, you know, and then in college, I remember cooking for a lot of people. Um, and enjoying that feeding people. And I started to, in college, I really started to realize that food brings people together and that yeah. there's community and food. And then also, you know, as time went on, realized culture and legacy in food as well. So, um, yeah, it wasn't until I was in my twenties that I really started to, um, you know, in the kitchen and um, do that as a creative practice, making new things, mm -hmm. trying new things, spending hours making things. Um, that's when it got beyond just being a mundane chore. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I think now I just, I mean, you think about it. Think about when you get together with people. It's always for food. Always. That's what you do. You go to yes. dinner or you go to coffee. That's food. You know, um, that, that is my view people together it is a very like, yes. if I could just like close my eyes and the feeling it's just a very like warm <laughs> yellowish orange yeah. feeling yeah colors here it's just to me that is what it brings so it, to me it is very much comfort which in my unhealthy yeah. places in my life that's been a negative thing um but it can also sure. be a really beautiful and positive thing um as well yeah yeah, absolutely. I love that you said that, like, um, you know, our passions are two sides of the same coin, right? Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I love yeah. that, like, when you are in a healthy space that can not only bring so much joy to you mm -hmm. and to your community and the world around you, and then on the flip side, when we're in unhealthy places, yeah. that can be a destructive thing to us. Oh, yes. <laughs> Wow. That's so good. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about how in high school you started kind of getting more involved. What mm -hmm. was the, what was the first dish that you sort of perfected and that you <laughs> really loved making? It's always been pasta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what kind? But this was like gorilla pasta. I wasn't like trying to make pasta, but <laughs> like I would always get, you know, like bow tie pastas or. Yeah pastas and I would just like make these weird concoctions like I, I at one point I was this is like gross like now in retrospect I'm like what was I making but it was like it was curry and butter and I would like make some chicken stock and add it in and it was like to me the greatest thing ever and I thought it was so cool and I like tear fresh herbs and <laughs> I don't even know, but to me, I thought it tasted great. You know what? I mean, it really, I still sometimes crave it. If that's weird. Enough. It's not, it's um, not. And I do like current day, make a, a dish, like just for myself. I'm scared to give that to anyone else. But, um, yeah, I mean, at that time it gave me so much joy. Like, Ooh, I created, remember I'd make it. I had like this group of three girls that I've been friends with for a very long time still today. And they had them over and I was like, you should yeah. taste this pasta dish I made. And like, <laughs> so <laughs> I think it was just always pasta because we always had it in the house. And I, yeah, I would just, I would make these weird pasta. I love that. You know, like it kind of sounds like a masala, like what you're talking yeah. about sounds yeah. kind of 
Like it does. We'll like, just I call think it about the ingredient. <laughs> yeah, we'll just call it. We'll call it Italian Indian fusion. Yes. Well, I actually don't think I've ever had that before, so that would be really interesting. I expect that at some point you're going to make that Yeah, for me. I'm going to have to, I guess, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. We'll put it on the yes. list. Mom and dad are definitely not going to eat it, but <laughs> you and I will, and Michael will try it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so you were talking about how your grandfather used to make a lot of Italian food, uh, and yeah. you know that I've traveled quite a bit in Italy, mm-hmm. and I'm so passionate about all of it, yep. all of the food, everything there. Um, what, what was, what's your favorite, like what, you know, family recipe? Yeah. Um, like when it comes to Italian food, what, what is that? Yeah. So it's one that I even make now today and, um, it is our, it's pretty simple too, but it's our family gravy or sauce. Mm. Some people get thrown off by the gravy. This is not brown gravy. This is red, <laughs> like hearty, wonderful Italian pasta sauce. Uh, homemade pasta with brujol, mm. which is a rolled um, flank steak. Uh, you can yes. stuff it with different things. The way my family treats it is um, with breadcrumbs. And then you uh, put a strip of bacon, raw bacon, mm-hmm. or pancetta. Um, and then a hard boiled egg and then you roll it all together, okay. tie it up and you cook it for hours in the sauce um, yeah. while it's cooked. Cause the sauce takes Ugh. hours. The longer, the better. The longer you cook the sauce, the better it tastes and more develop the flavors. Um, I, I have issues with eggs. So I've had to, um, when I make right. it, um, but oh my goodness, hands down, we just made it this past Easter cause Easter was weird this year with COVID right. and, all day making it together and it was absolutely wonderful so hands down my favorite thing that my family makes I love that wow I'm just like so hungry thinking (laughs) about me too actually (laughs) that's so good I also I love that you don't just discard a recipe because um some of the ingredients don't work for your system anymore and that you've found ways to kind of adjust that yeah I think that that's kind of now in what I do um because there's so many foods and Melissa I know you understand you have some other dietary yeah. restrictions yourself and things that just don't make you feel good I just refuse to give up certain foods that I've always loved my whole life <laughs> and so yeah I like want to help others with that too especially family recipes like yeah. enjoy something special like that yeah absolutely absolutely um so uh when you talk about um, cooking, I hear this a lot in your um, in the things that you say and in the things that you write about it. Um, even when you were talking about uh, you know food and community and mm-hmm. this like orange red warm mm-hmm. feeling that it gives you, yeah. um, you talk a lot and we've talked about like engaging the five senses and and it's almost like the sensuality of cooking, yes. not in the sexual sense, right. but in the fact that like you're your full set of senses are engaged in it. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about the journey that brought you to this place of exploring that. Yeah. So um, it's just funny because what's happened is so new. <laughs> but yeah. actually, like, once I got married, and I've been cooking for a long time. I used to cook when I was single. I'd make big meals. and I'd enjoy it. But it was far and few between um, when I would actually make 
and take time to practice the art of cooking. Um, so actually, right. I found that I had a little bit more time for that. I wasn't sharing a kitchen with a roommate. Like, <laughs> I think that kind of holds you back a little bit too sometimes. And um, yeah, I mean, quarantine really helped. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it really made us all slow. I mean, if you went to any grocery store, you couldn't buy baking materials. Like they were out of flour and yeast and all of these things because people finally had a chance and take time and make something wonderful. And right. um, I think just going slow and setting myself up instead of rushing home from work and throwing all the ingredients out on the counter, making a mess and just getting food out on the table. It was about, okay, how can I get everything out slowly? Like set the scene, a couple windows. Do I need to light a candle right. on the stove? Like what are ways to make this so it's restful and honestly therapeutic to me? Um, and so, you know, music, putting some music on, um, setting the lighting right in there, that actually all really matters. And it just made that experience what made it an experience rather than just, I'll keep saying it, a mundane chore. So many people see cooking as a mundane chore. Just like I said, we live such busy lives. We come home from work and it's just, and get on with your life. And so right. we need to, I think for our health and the goodness of ourselves, need to slow down and make time um, to yep. make cooking an experience. Um, so yeah. yeah, like stop for a second too. like check in with yourself. I think while you're cooking, mm-hmm. like, what am I seeing? What am I feeling? You know, just let your body move, dance, like, I, yes. just, I I really just started to experience that in like the last six, seven months and it feels really good. And I just want to tell everybody about it because <laughs> it's yeah. wonderful. It's really wonderful. I love that. When I hear you talk about it in that way, it like, it sounds to me like what I consider almost a sacred practice, right? Yes. It's a, it's a ritual of sense Yep. and uh, engaging all these parts of yourself, checking in with yourself, like just being present in the moment. Yes. Um, that's so beautiful. I remember when I first started therapy, mm-hmm. what, like six, six years ago, six years ago. Um, yeah. actually, yeah, six years ago, I wanted the, my therapist used to give me assignments and the first assignment that she gave me was to, um, cook a meal for myself. Oh, really? I had to, yeah, because I couldn't, I was at this place where I was so traumatized. I couldn't even take care of myself in any way. Um, and I wasn't eating, I wasn't doing anything. And so her first thing was to, to cook a meal. And so I, um, I made ratatouille, which is one of my go-tos. It's so warming, but it makes your body feel so good. And the act of cooking for myself, it didn't become a habit then because I didn't really have the capacity for it, Mm -hmm. but it helped me catch a glimpse of what it meant to like care for myself well and um, to do something to love myself, you know, because I was accustomed to cooking for other people, baking for other people, but I never just did it for myself. For you, yeah. Yeah. So uh, have you ever experienced that? Have you always been other people or what was it like to take time just to cook for yourself yeah um I mean obviously now I cook for my husband but like when I was single there were some practices of that but I I, it's not even for me when I'm not okay it depends right depends on where my mindset is some days 
I know I'm cooking for someone. So I'm putting a little extra love into it. I'm putting maybe a little more pressure. Right. I think with just cooking for Michael and I, it is almost like just cooking for myself. And yeah. I know like, but, okay, I, you know why I love making? <laughs> it takes Tell me. forever. Okay, it takes like an hour to make good risotto. And you can't leave the pot. Constantly stir. So you're constantly mm -hmm. tending to this rice. And it is like the most, if you need some therapy, you want some time to yourself to think some risotto because you have it's like a meditation. To. It is because yeah, it's, it's the same motions over and over again. And you're, you can get lost. And so like on hard, hard days, I'm like, maybe it's a risotto day because <laughs> so I love that you're there. That's a great therapist knows good stuff because that's so true it's it's a therapy and treating yourself yeah and you get to sit down and not like to like toot your own horn like not be like so prideful but like you can sit down and be like I made this and it's so delicious like yes <laughs> it yes pride. you take pride in it excellence yes yeah yeah absolutely man that's something I I still struggle with um cooking for myself, especially when I have a lot on my plate or yeah. I'm very stressed. Um, yep. I will, I have these go-to things that people will be like, why are you eating that? It's not even like fun <laughs> things. It's like, I make a green smoothie every morning and then I will have like uh, almond butter or something for dinner. I don't know. It's terrible. Oh. But I need to get back in the practice of that because there is so much beauty there yes so much beauty yes and it's not to say I'm and I'm gonna be like I'm not do this every single day right like every day is not right. an experience and that's not what I'm trying to put out there but because there are some days I agree like I'm just stressed out and I just we're getting tacos tonight because I can't <laughs> like <laughs> sometimes yes. it's hard to get yourself in the kitchen and then there are times where I'm like I have that same attitude can't do this tonight I don't want to and I have to anyways yeah. because I've got spoiling groceries and then I, once I'm in there yeah. I'm fine and that that I'm happy yep. that I did it and I feel really good and excited and inspired so it is yeah it's hard yeah yeah um I want to go back to something that you said earlier if you're comfortable sharing more about it um we were talking about how uh, your passion can be two sides of the same coin, yes, right when you're healthy and unhealthy and I wonder what it has looked like um engaging with food and cooking in this way like in this journey of like healing yourself and and uh moving towards being healthy what what has that been like for you yeah so that has really been a journey and it is still an ongoing journey I do feel like for me yeah food is the first thing I run to when I'm not well so um yeah. and and that has been a struggle since I was like 12 years old. So this is like a constant, <laughs> never ending yes. journey. And I've gone through overindulgence and then underindulgence, uh, restricting myself completely um, and not having yep. any joy in food at all. Um, and so I kind of experienced it all. <laughs> um, yeah. And now I'm kind of in a place where I'm still learning, okay, I'm not perfect in this. And I'm sure I will never be perfect in this. But just right. trying to learn the balance and difficult especially in the culture that we live in today and all you see sure. is health and wellness coaches telling you to <laughs> eat the 
even know what it is and it doesn't look good to me I'm not gonna lie and yeah um that's the culture we live in and so it is very hard to find allowing yourself to um enjoy food and it not having guilt uh, associated with it or attached yes. to it yes. um and just being able to joy but not overindulge and learning when yep. to pull back into you know maybe enjoy it once or twice a week so that that is a very difficult thing and I think I I do currently even struggle with that now I I'm honestly I'm just sick and tired yo effect that I've had in my life yes. back and forth back and forth so I feel very tired and worn out and I'm yes. just trying to be patient with myself and you know, not letting myself go to the unhealthy place, but letting myself go where it feels right right now. Yes. And, um, currently in the middle of a struggle with it. Like I'll, I'll be totally honest, but, um, yeah. and it's even harder now because I'm trying to start a business with. <laughs> yeah. So I keep going like, Oh, what am I doing? Um, but I think it's good. I think there's a reason for that, that I'm going through that. And I think it's good yeah. that I have this business. Uh, surrounded around food I think it's going to force me to learn how to balance it um in a healthy way yeah. so it's good it's something I'm working through right now but yeah no, it, the passion has definitely been the the downfall in my life quite a bit <laughs> well how beautiful is it though that um this place where you are working to heal yourself mm -hmm. and also where your gift meets mm -hmm. um is also something that can help be so healing to other people right I mean you know, I like for me, I definitely I have struggled. Um, my relationship with food hasn't always been a healthy one either. Mm -hmm. um, and I have had a tendency to restrict yes. um, very much in the past. And part of that is because of trauma. And it was a way to regain control in yep. my life. Yep. Um, and what I have realized is this the work of, of therapy and healing that I've done and learning to love myself. Yeah. has included learning to love my body and listen to my body. So you were talking about just paying attention to what your body's telling you. Right. And I've been practicing more intuitive eating. Um, and so instead of being like, oh, I can only have this much of that. Oh, I can't, you know, like constantly be measuring and monitoring. Right. Which is and so unhealthy. Just, it is. It's so unhealthy. It is. And instead of doing that, just being like, okay, what is my body saying today? Yeah. Like, it wants green things. Great. We're going to eat all the green things right. that we want. We're not going to overindulge. We're going to listen when we say we're full. But yes. if our body is saying we still want more food, we're going to pay attention to that, you know? Exactly. I love that. And so I wonder, like, is that kind of the practice you're doing, like intuitive eating, listening to your body and learning what it's trying to tell you? I guess without really realizing that that's what it is, <laughs> then yeah, I, I would say very much so. But I do still struggle you know, right. We all with do. that balance. Um, but absolutely no, for sure. I love that. I, I find when I like this morning, I looked in the mirror and I I've got, so I used to look in the mirror and I used to just hate, have so much self-hatred. All I saw were my flaws. Right. Yep. And That's I've been fault. really practicing and I, I just don't do that anymore. And I looked in the mirror and I looked a little like um, I've had to take some medicine because I haven't been feeling good the past couple of days. And so I looked a little puffy, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> like my body just did. And I think it's just the the medication in my body. But yeah. I looked at it and I was like, okay, 
body, you are where you need to be today. Mm -hmm. And I love you where you are. And I just like touched the different parts of my body where I would normally find shame in their imperfections. And I was like, no, you are, you are perfect today where you are and you're taking care of me. Yeah. I love that. And so I, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a journey too. Like Mm -hmm. you're saying, right. It's just showing up every day for that. So yeah. Yep. Um, okay. I want to, I want to go in a back to something that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, so you have also, this is kind of like a left turn back away from <laughs> something serious to a little more lighthearted. Yeah. You have also traveled in Italy and I would love to hear one of the, your favorite things that you ate or a place that you ate at when you were in Italy. Yes. Okay. So actually I've not been to Italy. I've been to Ireland, but, um, I know I dream Michael and I Italy. Sometimes we look at properties in Italy and I cry. It's fine. No, I've never been. I dream and dream and dream. Um, and I know we're going, we, we keep saying it. And the first chance we get, we're, we're gone. We're gone. Um, we may never come back. Uh, <laughs> well, that's fine. Cause I'm going to go come visit Ah, yes of course you can just come live there with us because that's where we're gonna live (laughs) but um no but I have been to Ireland and I've eaten beautiful things there um but not Italy um I know my favorite dish in Ireland was actually in Dublin which I wasn't expecting I was hoping my favorite dish would be somewhere out in the middle of nowhere at a pub (laughs) or whatever but it wasn't um and yeah it it was our first night there and I saw salmon on the menu and I'm like obviously I need to get some seafood we are right here by the sea um right I had this wonderful salmon dish that was laid over these whipped potatoes which sounds weird salmon and potatoes but it was killer Sounds Irish. It's so every single, and I mean, Melissa, you know, you were in Ireland for a good amount of time, but every single dish is served with potatoes. doesn't matter what you get. If you, even if it doesn't make sense, you're like, why are potatoes on my plate right now? I don't understand. But, um, it's like sushi and potatoes. Oh, seriously. seriously. Yeah. I could not eat. I had to go on like a little potato famine when I got home from Ireland <laughs> because that might've been some insensitive. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, I had to well, not eat potatoes when I came home from Ireland because it was too much but that salmon was the best salmon yeah. I've ever had in my life and I don't know if that says a lot because like I lived in Chicago my whole life and eating fish here is just garbage just don't <laughs> but like <laughs> it was it was flaky there was no fishiness like it was it was meaty and incredible and there was like this over top that like made it melt in your mouth and I loved it so much (laughs) I love that you know um when I was there this is this is probably gonna sound ridiculous but the dish that I loved the most and I had every single day Mm -hmm. was porridge oh my gosh that's great (laughs) (laughs) their their oatmeal which they call porridge was amazing it was so good um and it came with cream and I'm not gonna judge myself for this but on the first day that I get it the cream shows up and I'm like 
what's wrong with this cream? It's like off white. And then it immediately <laughs> hits me and I'm like, oh, cream is called cream for yep. a reason, like the color cream. And <laughs> all, all I've been seeing is white cream my whole life yes. because I live in the US. Yes. And like that's how we roll. Everything has to be like Fake. perfect and fit. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just sitting there and it's just like this huge epiphany blowing my mind. I'm staying at this pub by the sea and I'm the only one there because everyone else is just like wasted from the night before still. And I'm sitting there going, sounding like I'm high or something going, oh, cream is cream. Whoa. Oh my gosh. That's, I mean, but seriously, like, that's the beauty of traveling in other countries. It's like yeah, little epiphanies. Like we went to... Um, we decided to skip going out for breakfast because we were kind of sick of eating like beans and floppy bacon every day. And so, <laughs> so their bacon is the worst. It is. I'm not a huge fan. Like it's okay. I respect it. I just can't get into it. So um, went to the Aldi. Um, I don't even remember where we were. We were somewhere in Southern Ireland, like on the coast. And but it's called like Little. What was that? Or was it called Aldi? Was it called Aldi or was it called Little? Oh, no, it's called Aldi. Oh. Um, and first of all, we're getting gypped in the... Just want to let you know because their Aldi is like a wonderful supermarket. Like what we enjoy here. Same thing, lower prices, better brands, way more options. It's insane. I was kind of mad about it. But... um yeah, I mean, we picked up a few items there, and it just felt good because I'm like, this is like real stuff. <laughs> yeah, like we got a bunch of cheeses, like different Irish cheeses and stuff to take yeah. back and have for breakfast with grapes and stuff like that. And it was, it was amazing, and it was all real stuff. So I really appreciated yeah. that. Yeah, I love that. You know, when I was um, in more Mediterranean, when I was in Portugal, Spain, mm -hmm. and Italy, I went to the the market or their kind of grocery store all the time um, <laughs> instead of eating at restaurants. Because one in the Mediterranean, in the Mediterranean, uh, wine is so cheap, and so you get like a two dollar bottle of wine that is yes. like a million times better than like a thirty dollar. Oh, come on. So, <laughs> that was great. That was so great. And just, you know, everything else was inexpensive too. I remember right. when I was walking my Camino, I was uh, in Portugal and I just stopped at the grocery store and I got a bottle of Vino Verde. Have you ever had Vino Verde? It's green wine. Okay. Um, How? So <laughs> it was really hot out and I had this cold bottle of Vino Verde and I got like some cheese and some fruit and like a you know baguette or whatever and I think I spent like three dollars or three euros whatever oh, something like that for the whole thing and it oh. was the most beautiful meal yeah so lovely and it's yeah. something about the um like the simplicity I guess yes. um of the way people cook in some of those countries in Europe um yeah that I think makes it even more beautiful and I think this past in Ireland I started to try to cook more simply um yeah. and using whole real ingredients because there's yeah. just something more so yeah there really is mm -hmm. man now that I said that I like I miss wine I miss I haven't <laughs> been drinking a while I've been trying to kind of heal my body but you um you actually are a cocktail queen uh, right 
<laughs> I've been, I've been dabbling that. in that quite a bit for a long time. I think like wine, red wine and whiskey. That's kind of was my right. thing for a good while. And Michael and I still like to try different whiskeys. Um, you know, fancier the better. Um, <laughs> of course, me too. Yes, yes, yes. So good, so good. It's really an experience. Um, but yeah, I have to create some more fun cocktails um, when I do have a, a nice bottle of liquor um, yeah. at my home, which isn't very often, but um, Well, yeah. now I know what to get you for holidays. Yes. Ooh, and the weirder the better, please, because I'm like all about oh, that. Have you ever made one? Have you ever made a cocktail with chartreuse? No, but that's a beautiful oh word. <laughs> it's okay. It's also a beautiful liquor. Jess, chartreuse is writing it made by French monks oh, um, since like the 1500s, 15, 1600s, <gasps> something like that. And their, um, their order, their monastery, but their order of, of monks or whatever, um, no one has the full recipe. There's always two people who have half of the recipe. Isn't that crazy? So there's green chartreuse, which is the traditional chartreuse. And then there's yellow chartreuse, which is a little bit sweeter. And I learned about it when I was in Nashville because like everyone in Nashville made cocktails with chartreuse. They were like the biggest buyer in the world of chartreuse. Nashville was. What? Yeah. I've never, I wonder if when I was in Nashville, I probably had a cocktail with it, but didn't appreciate it. Probably. I'm it's like this very herbal, um, warming. Okay, to be honest, I wasn't in like the healthiest place in my life when I lived in Nashville. So there was this bar down the street from my house I used to go to a couple times a week. Yeah. And I would I would go in, sit down, like order order what I was gonna eat, and then me and the bartender there would start off by doing a shot of chartreuse. <laughs> which is like I don't even know. It was like fifty or sixty percent alcohol is pretty high. <laughs> but it was delightful. I loved that. Oh my god, yeah. I'm gonna be on the hunt now. That's amazing. Okay. I love I'll have that. To send you some. Yes, so, please. um, tell tell me about your favorite cocktail. Your favorite cocktail you've ever had, whether you make oh. it or someone else has made it. Oh goodness gracious, I've had a lot of cocktails. That sounds bad. Mouth. Um, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Said, no judgment here. I, judgment. For I them. just love like going out to place. Like I've never, I was never the bar scene or the club scene, but I really, yeah. especially in Chicago, there's a lot of, um, speakeasies. I say that with my, yeah. cause they're not really, people know about them, but I, but they're very bougie and <laughs> fancy and wonderful. Yeah. And I've had some very incredible. And honestly, I don't remember what was in the one. It was at the violet hour, which is like a very, Oh, like, I always wanted to go there. Okay. Well, next we should go because it's okay, it's yeah. quite a mood um it is like very dark inside it's only candle lit so there's like these huge drapes everywhere draping every single window that could let in any light even at nighttime and these like very dramatic oversized chairs <laughs> dining hall mm-hmm. experience to me too so I'm sorry if I'm yes. like, going into too much detail about one cocktail no, I love- um but yeah so these very it's very candle lit only and then these the drinks come in these like incredible like thin beautiful cocktail glasses 
Mm-hmm. Drink that I had, I genuinely don't remember anything about it except that it tasted really good and it was lavender. I really <gasps> leaned oh, towards yeah. like with a lavender essence to it. Because um, something about the way that, and I think a lot, I think like gin works nicely with that. Yes. Champagne works wonderfully with lavender. Lighter. Yeah, anything lighter. with a lighter, more herbal kind of, because gin kind of has the juniper and um it was great so that really it's all about the experience too that you're enjoying your cocktail (laughs) yeah absolutely um yeah when I was in London I had um a gin and tonic because that's you know like my favorite that's where you have gin and tonics yeah um but it was um an herbal gin and then the tonic was like a Mediterranean tonic which also had like rosemary vibes in it too it was great yeah yeah and yeah, they, they serve them wrong here in the States, too. Because, like, everywhere I went in Ireland, I'm in these, like, almost, like, oversized wine. Yes, yes. Like, an oversized yes. red wine glass, almost. And yes. they actually put juniper berries in it as a garnish. Yes. And the tonic they use is not that nasty, sticky, <laughs> sugary. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you get I them do. here, and it's just very heavy on the sugar. But, like, even the tonic has its own flavor profile that's really yes. beautiful. Yeah, they're doing it wrong here. I feel like the states are <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I mean, the one thing we do have going good for us is bourbon. Like, this is you true. know, except for when people mix, mix stuff with it. Yeah. Um, have you ever had absinthe? Um, why it sounds really familiar, so I probably did long time ago. I have it, it's like a very intense um, liqueur, but um, I just wondered if you'd ever had it because it's a very like speakeasy type um drink that they would put in a cocktail. So, okay, yeah. that that's <laughs> another one. I'm on the lookout now, I'm learning so much today. Thank you. I'm learning so much from you. Um, good. And, and actually, we're we're going to go ahead and, and wrap things up. Yeah. You and I could talk forever. I'm sure we oh, have yeah. more episodes in the future. But is there yeah. anything that you would like to share um, with those who are listening about anything that we've talked about or something that we haven't talked about? Yeah. I mean, the whole entire mission of what I'm doing now it started as like a hobby and then I'm like, no, I want people to experience this. But to anyone listening, I just want you to try once a week to ha- have cooking be a practice and experience. Find a recipe that looks so interesting to you that you almost think you can't make because <laughs> it looks so good. Yes. And then make yourself make it. Um, and really enjoy the whole process. Um, I know on mm-hmm. my blog I'm working to help incorporate some of those five senses and I'm I'm really trying to um set the scene before every recipe so you can see like this is this is how you should set it up get yourself in a place you know have fun be creative but yeah once a week just try it out go for it um, yeah. I think you'll be really grateful for it. It's going to build your confidence in creativity. Um, it's going to build your confidence in the kitchen. And even if you fail, have fun too. Like I fail in the kitchen all the time, <laughs> currently, regularly. But that's because yeah. I'm trying big things that are scary. So um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
you are going to fail sometimes when you're trying big things, Um, but you're going to learn and then you're going to know how to do a big thing. Failure is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. It's a gift. It's how you look. Well, it it is. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. um, Again, if people want to follow Jess on social media, they can go to at peaches and prosciutto. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes. So, all right. Thanks, Jess. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Melissa. Love you, too. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to follow Jess and her newly launched blog, you can check it out on Instagram at peachesinprosciutto and also her website, Jessica D. Hawks. If you'd like to support the show, please feel free to Venmo us at Melissa B. Hawks. Thanks so much and have a great day. Love ya. Mean it.